You're listening to the Feel Good Community Podcast. My name is Storm. And I'm Will. A few years ago, we began our journey towards learning more about sustainability, health, and wellness. The more we learned, the more we couldn't believe that this vital information wasn't mainstream knowledge. These simple yet effective ways to heal our bodies and save our planet are being drowned out by the latest pop culture noise. Together, we began to change our lifestyle to help heal our bodies, our brains, and our planet. We have become deeply passionate about sharing this knowledge, whether it's a book we're reading, interviews from leading experts, or even just personal anecdotes. We want you to know about it. And most importantly, we want you to take this knowledge and apply it to your own family and community. All that being said, welcome to the Feel Good Community Podcast. any classes or anything like that to help people like start their ranching careers or you know I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to doing something along those lines um i guess in my mind i don't know I-, I guess i feel like i'm not cut out to teach formal instruction but with my wife being a, a high school teacher it'd probably be easy to get a-, a curriculum together and you know have her put the kind of design a course but uh I just, I tend to have a lot of people reach out through social media and whatnot that, that are interested in what we do that, you know, are usually not involved in ranching or farming. They're just saying, Hey, I'd really love to get into this. You know, my great grandpa used to do this. And then, you know, I'd like to do something along those lines. And I'm always just willing to answer questions for them or, you know, they're looking to buy property. They send me property. And, you know, a lot of people they are like, I want to come out to Wyoming and run cattle. And I'm like, cool you know they're like i can buy 10 acres and i'm like you could have a mini cow and still feed it hay in the winter (laughs) yeah i think a lot of a lot of that is just kind of uh reining people in with what they have and how they can start so i mean i myself like i i grew up in a more rural area of california it wasn't you know it wasn't i'm sorry (laughs) i know (laughs) You know what? The state of Jefferson is is nice. Okay. Okay. okay we'll go with that. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, you you hear so many people that you know they're fed up with the city, they're fed up with mm-hmm. suburban life, and mm-hmm. they're just they want to get out, but they don't know how. Are those the right. kind of people that kind of that you're finding or messaging you? Yeah, I, I think that's the mentality they have, and. Uh, Oddly enough, you know, you know our background. I was I was a firefighter, and I had an injury, and I had to go out on a disability retirement. So uh, the the strange thing is, most of the most of the people that reach well, they're all male, and I'd say probably ninety percent of the guys that reach out to me with questions on how to get started, they were in the military and they received mm-hmm. a disability retirement uh, from the military. So it's kind of interesting that those are generally the, the group of people that reach out. But yeah, it's just, it's the same thing. Whether it starts off with people going. You know, oh man, that looks like fun. You're living my dream. I wish I could do that. And I just Everybody reply wants back. to be a cowboy. Well, yeah, right. And, and or a rancher or a cattleman. I don't, I don't yeah. ever use that term cowboy um, for myself because I think that's a whole nother ball game. But anyway, you know, I just tell people you can. And then they, oh yeah, well, I'd like to do this or that. And then you know, it just kind of starts off as a as a conversation. But I think when people hear our story about, you know, we had absolutely zero farm and ranch experience and just kind of started off with 
a side hustle just well not even a side hustle it was just let's put a couple cattle out here and raise them for us because that way i know 100 percent what went into my meat and and how it was taken care of and and i'll feed my family and have some leftover for family and friends and, and that's how it started and it just gradually you know became a self-sustaining business <laughs> so mm-hmm. here we are but um you know the, the formal classes i wouldn't be opposed to do that um i just kind of work things in you know we always have what I call an open gate policy that if people want to show up at the ranch and check out the animals, they're welcome to do so. And I don't just reserve that for customers because I feel like, you know, that you would, you don't want to shut the door on potential customers either. Some people may just want to come see the ranch because they got nothing better to do on a weekend in the summer, you know, and they want to yeah. entertain the kids with something. But if that connects them with, um, you know, the type of ranching we do and the way that we do it and, and, you know, maybe, you know, they tell a friend or tell a family member and it winds up getting a sale. That's kind of, an added bonus, but I figure if I'm already there, you know, I don't mind people tagging along. So what are some of the biggest questions that people have for you? Because, you know, coming from zero, you know, zero ag experience, zero Mm -hmm. ranching experience, I feel like the idea of owning your own ranch can just seem so overwhelming. Well, it can. And that's why I, for the most part, I don't, well, let me, let me say this first. I don't think it's possible for most people to own a piece of property that will be productive financially. That's just my opinion, especially with ranching. If you want to do mm-hmm. a few acres and do like microgreens and small niche stuff, maybe you can make more money. But like with ranching, you just, you need a lot of land. I mean, you can yeah. have a five acre property and put, you know, if there's no zoning, you can put 30 cattle on it, but that's a feedlot and you're going to spend, you know, $25,000 a year in hay, you know? So it kind of is just, I'd say the biggest question people have is like, well, well, how do, how do we get started? <laughs> you know, And, and that mm-hmm. is what leads into such a long conversation. Cause it's like, what are your finances now? You know, do you have a couple million in the bank that you can go? Do you have investors? Can you purchase land? You know, cause for us, you know, um, it, it just comes down to leasing. And I think that's, what's important to let people know is there's so many properties out there. And uh, I'm sure you know the average age of farmers and ranchers in this country is about 60, depending on your source. Yeah. You know, the average is 60. And if the age is over, you know, 35, then that means that industry is in a decline. So obviously, we're not getting a lot of fresh blood into farming and ranching enough to sustain it. Yeah. And, you know, that property gets sold hey, off. Bill Gates, Bill Gates has oh, an answer for that. We're just going to lab grow our meat. Yeah. Well, that's what's like going to happen. We're 3D print our steaks. It's mm-hmm. fine. We got this. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what's going to happen because you get someone who buys up all that land and gets the, you know, water's the new gold. So you got the water rights, you have all that land. Now you have, uh, in his case, I mean, you have the power to manipulate the supply and demand of those commodities that ranchers need. So even the commercial feedlot beef, which I don't like personally, um, I know there's a need for it because of the volume, but you know, how, how, think of how he can manipulate that now because those guys are relying on soy and corn and wheat and other byproducts to to fatten those cattle cheap and fast. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to just say, yeah, we're not going to produce it or we're going to raise the price, you know, then that would, you know, put, put cattle. Yeah, he could easily edge out yeah. feedlot yeah. yeah. beef. Or just decide not to sell to him, you know, because he mm-hmm. wants to use it all for his you know, impossible meats or whatever he wants to do. But yeah, that's, that's what's scary. So as farmers and ranchers, I think there's plenty of people that want to buy grass fed products. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm so willing to help anybody. And I'm not, I'm like, believe me, I'm no expert. I just can tell people, Hey, this is, this is my experience, take it or leave it. Right. And I'm happy to do so. But if we don't kind of band together and help, then 
that you, we're going to be a thing of the past. You know, it'll be all feedlots and all soy burgers. And so in the name of eating good grass fed beef, just, I don't care if you're one lot over from me and you want to do the same thing I'm doing. Like I'll, I'll help you as much as I can to get there because it's important, you know, one more rancher on the map. It's important for ranchers. It's important for our soil ecology. It's important yeah. for our animals. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and you know, that's the way it used to be when we'd, have cattle running up and down the Great Plains here, but obviously with, you know, increase in human population and less land and the climate change in the way it does, you know, you don't have these hundreds of thousands of acres to just open range your cattle. So you mm-hmm. need to do it a little more responsible and put in the, the elbow grease and the the devil's in the details when it comes to small, you know, rotational stuff, because it's, it's a lot more work. So but, uh, for, for the people that don't know you guys, I mean, I think this is like your third time coming on, um, but can you give just like a brief backstory and, you know, kind of tell people where you come from and where you're at? Yeah. Yeah. I probably should have started with that. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm Josh Shardulo. Uh, I started Shardulo Ranch back in 2016, more or less as just a sort of a joke. Cause at the time I was a firefighter and uh, a firefighter paramedic down just outside of Denver, Colorado. And uh, my wife and son and I moved up to Wellington, Colorado, which is um, very, very northern Colorado. We're about 36 minutes, 35 minutes um, south of Cheyenne, so almost mm-hmm. to the Wyoming border. And we moved up here and bought 33 acres. Ten of it has irrigation, and and there was some fencing up. And you know, we just like like everybody, like you were saying, just I want to get away from the suburbs. I want to move out more rural, you know. And mm-hmm. so we came out here, and you know, we're two miles out of a, a small town on a dirt road, and and it's nice, you know, it's it's beautiful. In the first couple of years, uh, I just cut hay because, you know, we had the irrigation water coming in in a hay field and it's like, well, what do we do? And some people have horses, they put it up for their horses and I would share crop it, either sell it to the guy that cut it or, you know, sell it to the neighbors. And that's kind of what led to me going, well, why don't I just do cattle? Because there was another neighbor that had some cattle and I kind of learned from him and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And and, and it just kind of uh, went from there. So I bought a few and um, everybody liked the meat and those people that ordered, you know, doubled their order next time. And, uh, we went from like three to nine and, and we were planning on growing a little bit to like maybe a dozen head. And I started looking around for property to lease and fell into a nice uh, lease at Sylvandale ranch. And we now lease over 2000 acres, um, in Loveland, Colorado. And we run, uh, you know, anywhere between 30 and 40 head, depending on the time of year. So, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of so in a nutshell. And we do sheep, how, we do grass fed lamb. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So mm-hmm. how does leasing work? Um, when, you know, you're, you're <clears throat> not working on your land. Yeah. There's a great book I'd recommend, um, by Greg Judy and it's called, I think, um, ranching for profit, I think is the name of the one that talks about leasing. But, you know, I, I read a few books like that and just kind of took notes from those, but the, you know, generally in Colorado and, and it's different state to state, probably fairly similar, but you know, people need to do their due diligence and contact their local extension offices and, and look, but you know, you can see what, um, property is leasing for. And so in mm-hmm. Colorado, for example, there's irrigated and non-irrigated land. Um, we're very desert out here, so you need the irrigation. So, um, you know, that's, that's what we were looking at. So some kind of irrigated land so you can grow more, more hay in the spring for your animals. And, um, it tells you, you know, this is how much either per acre or per per head it usually costs, you know, so we pay uh, $20 per head per animal per month, right? So $20 an animal a month. And, uh, okay. we run, you know, 30 to 40 and, uh, you know, just kind of 
pay that uh, fee to have the animals out there. So, and in doing so, you know, the leases are uh, pretty specific as to what you can and can't do or, or what, you know, rules the property owner has as far as what animals you can do or how many or, um, you know, like R says, you can't use any pesticides or fungicides or fertilizers or you can't go build structures. You can't do this, can't do that. So, yeah, that's basically yeah. it. Just outlines sort of a do's and don'ts. And, uh, you know, we've been pretty good stewards of that property and uh, hopefully can can leave it better than we found it for the next guy. That's awesome. So somebody that doesn't have property, mm-hmm. doesn't have a ton of, um, of experience could potentially buy a couple heads of cattle and then lease them out on somebody else's land. So there's not this huge, um, you know, so somebody who's just, you know, lives in a small house, doesn't have a, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. have a, a huge plot of land or anything like that they can actually grow their own beef. hundred percent. Like even if we lived in an apartment, I could do the same thing I do now. So um, we're lucky, like I said, that we have the 33 acres. That's where we keep growing our uh, flock of sheep. But mm-hmm. you know, this is where we started. We had the nine cattle out here, you know? So um, even if you had an apartment though, lease the property, you know, our lease is, you know, on a good day, 45 minutes away, uh, you know, 45, 50 minute drive. And I go down there, you know, three, four times a week. So, I mean, that's a almost a two hour round trip, but I don't mind it, you know, and uh, yeah. you, you got to do what you got to do. And if the lease makes sense and it's um, fitting, then go for it. But, you know, that, that's kind of what I tell these people um, that contact me. They'll want to move to XYZ area. And I try to kind of point out pros and clients pros and cons in certain areas, but I said, you know, you can still live that country life and you got your little two bedroom farmhouse with a couple of acres, you know, and you got your chickens and your dogs and stuff running around, you know, but then you go and lease a bigger property, you know? Yeah. So you can, you can still, you know, live in, you know, a kind of a country farmhouse rural setting um, and not own all that acreage. you don't need to have that, you know, right. A massive amount of land. No, and it's—I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I've looked, I've traveled, you know, from east to west coast, looking at properties, and um, we're going to go look at some again here, um, out east, uh, and this spring. Just, just still checking around. Colorado is very cost prohibitive, and everybody wants to move to Colorado, mm-hmm. but it's like—it's beautiful. Growing. It's beautiful, but it's growing like crazy, and property's nuts. So, yeah. if you wanted to buy just. 10 acres, and, and keep in mind, like I said, water rights are a big deal. So if you have property with no water rights to irrigate, it's really going to be, you know, that spring flush hits and then by midsummer you're done, you know, so you got to buy hay, which is expensive. But um, to give you an example, you know, like if you were to look for like a 10 acre property that was irrigated and had a modular, you know, two bedroom home from the early eighties, that's never been updated. <laughs> that's probably, mm-hmm. it's probably a million dollar property. Oh so, um, you know, you're going to be paying a $3,000 mortgage at least on something like that. And, uh, you can't Absolutely put, but not. you know, yeah, and you can put a couple sheep out there or one steer, you know, for the year because by the time you do the the numbers with your soil and what type of forage and what kind of moisture mm-hmm. you get, you know, with our, I think Colorado is like twelve inches a year. I could be wrong, but you know, it's not much. So <laughs> that land isn't going to do you a whole lot now. All your money's tied up in it. So that's why I say, you know, just get you that little house and and kind of be where you want to be, whether it's closer to the city or the town, you know, cool little town, and then commute to your lease and 
and do that. And a lot of those places, a lot of those bigger ranches too. I mean, I see ads in, uh, we have magazines or not magazines, newspapers out here in Colorado, like fence post or back 40 or just little small agricultural local Mm -hmm. newspapers. And you'll catch ads in there that are like, Hey, looking for someone to, you know, ranch manage. And, you know, obviously it's nice if you have experience, but a lot of those have, you know, an onsite, uh, you know, small home that people live on and can manage. So there's, there's opportunity. All of this land that, Mm -hmm actually needs the cattle on it in order mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. maintain a good soil, a soil biology. Right. And, and the position they're in, usually, like I said, they're 65, 70 years old. They don't have anybody else to help them with the work. Mm-hmm. They're slowing down. They need some farm hands and, um, you know, they can't just quit ranching it. You know, you lose your ag status and all that other fun stuff. And, and, uh, I think they'd like to see some people come out and take interest in what they're doing and continue it. Cause a lot of these guys that truly love farming and ranching, they could sell for multi millions of dollars and go mm-hmm. buy a beachfront home in Florida. But I think that it's important them. But their history is on that. Yeah, land. exactly. They want to see it continue. I mean, they've put literally blood, sweat and tears into that property for many, many years, or perhaps their parents did and grandparents mm-hmm. did. Right. It's hard to just say it's often oh. generational property. Mm-hmm. And now their kids yep. are off in college or, you know, mm. live in a different life because right. Ranching is not always a profitable business. It's not always an uber profitable business. That, and I think it's hard work. And like, you know, people from the outside looking in, we think, oh man, boy, I'd love if they'd give me that property. And the kids are like, no, thanks, man. Sell it. I'll take the money. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, you know, it just is what it is. But, um, you know, that's a perfect example. Sylvandale Ranch, there's a, a brother and a sister that are the owners currently. And, and the brother and the sister both have two kids each. And out of those four children nobody wants to manage the ranch none of the none of the grandkids nothing so they're they're going to hand it over to a non-profit you know mm-hmm. big big 3000 acre ranch that's been in the the family since 1946 and nobody wants to mess with it but hey well, that's the story now yep yeah yep yep it is unfortunately you know so i mean that's why that's one of the reasons why you're here today is because you know we want to get some fresh blood on the land and hopefully continue continue ranching and get younger people out on the land who can you know build their their own legacies yeah yeah 100 percent. and that's why i'm passionate about helping people do it i think that's just like i said if, if we don't do it then what's going to happen that land gets sold and it gets turned into a nice you know ranchy subdivision and those people need to eat where are they now buying their beef or lamb or chicken that they were producing on said property, right? <laughs> you know, they're mm-hmm. gonna, uh, we're going to have no choice but to support feedlots here in the near future. So, Yeah. What are some of the biggest things that – what are some of the biggest questions that you had, you know, when you were beginning this journey? I can imagine that you had a lot of – I feel like there, there had to have been a lot of obstacles, you know? Uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say obstacles. Mm-hmm. I would say that there was a lot of things that I didn't know that I didn't know. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're blessed these days. I mean, you have the internet, right? And you can, <laughs> you can uh, jump online and watch YouTube videos till you're blue in the face or read articles or order periodicals and magazines, whatever you want. And there's so much information in those. Like I always tell people subscribe to the Stockman grass farmer. Like that's such a good magazine that comes out and you can flip through it. It's got a lot of good info in it, but 
Um, I did have a few mentors. I, I do have a few mentors that have been doing cattle for many years and some of them are multi-generational. And so in the event that something does um, pop up, can you hear that squeaky toy from my dog? I can go take it away from him if you can, if it's. I can't. No. Okay, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I would ask those gentlemen when, when you would just encounter problems, usually related to livestock behavior, right? Because I was a paramedic for many, many years, and so that was great, but I had medical knowledge from that as far as, uh, you know, if, if an animal was injured or, you know, if they're, you know, um, in labor or you got to give them an antibiotic shot, you know, stuff like that. Like, it was easier for me because I'd done it on people, mm-hmm. but just as far as interpreting like what's going on with the animals and animal behavior and, and, and just, uh, you know, things of that nature. It was nice to be able to call people and say, Hey, this is what I got going on. You know, I got this yearling steer that's kind of slowing down and he's not eating or he's got a runny nose, just kind of, you know, pick, pick their brain about certain stuff like that. So, um, you know, just being humble enough to ask and listen. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. But as far as really big questions, I really, you know, I tell people it's not that it's not really a big deal. Like I could probably go down once a month and see my cattle <laughs> and they'd be okay. You know, um, we, we keep them fenced out of the ponds now that we, we took this grant project on and we're able to keep them out of the waterways. Um, so as long as they have water in the stock tank, they're, they're pretty good to go. If the ponds in certain times of the season were opened up, I mean, they could just eat grass and drink water and pending someone getting sick or injured, which happens very rarely you know they would be mm-hmm. fine i mean they were getting along just fine before humans domesticated them right they're smart animals yeah. we for crying out loud we turn them loose up in roosevelt national forest every summer for three months or more and they're up there in the back country at you know six thousand something feet above sea level just you know dealing with Little mountain life. lions and bears and you know steep hills and meadows and they know where to go to get water and food and shelter and they they know what they're doing so it's it's not as difficult as people think you know there okay. you can figure it out and uh there's a lot of similarities between species as well as their subtle differences you know obviously lambs are going to be a bit different than cattle etc but the principles are the same if you can take care of a dog you know you could take care of livestock all right that's good to know yeah <laughs> If I can do it, you know, they could do it. And I, and I have, you know, I'm not a, I had some college classes as far as firefighting and paramedicine went. I never did get a degree. Um, I don't have any, you know, certifications in any of this stuff. Um, I haven't other than, uh, maybe like, I forget the name of it. It was like a meat, meat processing online class that I took. That was just like a, you know, a couple week class just to learn about uh, certain niche things of the production into things, mm-hmm. you know, other than that, I don't have any formal education. It's just kind of trial and error and just getting in there and doing it. All right. I, I mean, when I have always thought of this, I was like, this has to be, um, it just, it's, it seems so foreign and it just seems like this giant mountain. But then when you mm-hmm. know, you know how you're talking about it, I'm like, okay, like this is accessible. This doesn't have to be something that my, you know, grandpa's grandpa passed down mm-hmm. into the family lineage and you know now it's like born in me so no this is- no but 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 i'll pause you there because i think it is you know what i mean it was in your lineage it had to have been mm-hmm. you know and so it was there somewhere um i put up a really cool story the other day on one of our instagram posts that my uh great great grandfather i don't know if you saw that one but he basically was born out in ohio and left at 19 to do the gold rush in california and mm-hmm. uh you know got out to California, joined up with some people to go fight Indians for six months, came back, uh, worked in a mine, bought a mine, sold a mine, 
uh, got into cattle, you know, got attacked by Indians, lost cattle, went back to Ohio, uh, you know, joined the uh, military there to, for the Civil War. You know, I mean, just did like everything, right? And so they figured it out. They didn't even have the resources that we do. They just figured it they out and they helped each other. It. Yeah, no, not at all. And uh, do you watch that? Uh, uh, you know, everybody loves Yellowstone these days, but 1883, I really like the Yellowstone 1883 series. And you watch those um, guys, you know, and it's like the Oregon Trail and the Westward Expansion. And I, I love reading about that period in time. And, uh, you know, people would just, you know, if I asked you, you're going to travel from the East coast out West on the Oregon trail, what do you need? I mean, you could rattle off things you need, right? I mean, you need some basic mm-hmm. food, you need like a wagon to carry it and some horses to pull it. And then you probably want to bring some cattle with you because you know, that's what you're going to do. My oxen way. always died. My oxen <laughs> yeah, always Oregon died. Trail, so right, yeah, right. I'm not the person to ask. But, but I mean, really you understand, right? Like you're, you're going to yeah. need some ammunition uh, and, and a weapon so you can at least hunt and defend yourself right so i mean you know kind of the basics you need mm-hmm. and that's what those people did they bought that stuff and they were like here we go well, and they figured it go. out you know they figured it out so if they can do it in that time anybody i think these days can can really figure out how to raise a few cattle you know that's and true. go from there and start small like you don't have to do 15 different breeds of livestock start small and and you know figure out your niche and kind of focus on that and see where it takes you but it's it's not as hard as people think Honestly, I never had considered um, leasing land for one or two heads because, you know, right now, like we, I mean, Josh, we've been talking for a while. We have been, our family has been in in two different countries, Uh like three different living situations, like since the start of this um, podcast. So we've been all over, but it's We've all, Will and I have always talked. We're like, okay, like one day we're going to get our land. We're going to do this right. And I'm thinking, I'm like, yes, I live in an apartment right now, but I could, like, the idea that me living in an apartment doesn't stop me from, you know, having cattle is just mind-blowing if if anything it probably helps you because you don't have a property to maintain of your own you know Mm -hmm. like you just you go home and like you know most of the stuff is taken care of by the by the uh maintenance people right like you just have to you know vacuum and clean the inside of your place but you don't have a yard and you don't have like you know maintenance on the home itself you don't have all those extra Mm -hmm. things to distract you so yeah there's there's got to be someone and 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 people don't understand uh, you know florida florida's i think still even this year, uh, 2020, last year, 2021, I think their biggest export was, was cattle and cowboys oh, yeah. we were have huge. A in huge mm-hmm. We have a huge agricultural industry mm-hmm. here, especially in, right. I'm like South central, mm-hmm. but in central Florida, I mean, for mm-hmm. miles and miles, like you just see cattle. And well, you can't Ocala, build on it. Right. Yeah. And Ocala is actually considered like the horse capital of Mm -hmm. America. Right. Exactly. So you could, you know, find that, uh, you know, I don't want to be stereotypical. Let's just say older man or woman that, um, you know, lost their spouse and they're too old Mm -hmm. to do it. And they they have a little farmhouse out and, you know, semi-rural from you, you know, maybe a 30, 40 minute drive from you and they have, you know, 20 acres. Right. And you just say, Hey, you know, can I put a couple animals out here and I'll maintain and keep it looking good and take care of the fencing and kind of, 
you know, pick up the odds and ends junk that's accumulated over the years, or just kind of make the property look good. I think most people would want that because it's mm-hmm. not costing them anything and their land's being maintenanced. And you know what? They'd probably like to see cattle back out there or, or nice. you know, the old timers are like, oh yeah, those are the kind of cattle we used to run or, you know, so-and-so <laughs> used to have those kind or, you know, and then you just start from there, you know, you buy four pregnant heifers, you know, and then start growing your herd from there. Or you just buy the yearlings and you raise them up and you sell them at auction. I mean, you don't even have to find, if you find customers for it, great, right? Like you could advertise the meat and maybe you only sell one cow that year and half of it you put in your freezer. So you only, you know, really sold a half. The other three. I'm not mad about that. Yeah. The other three you take to the sale barn and you sell them and you know, what? I'm, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, it's just, you, you start some somewhere, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's it's been a while since we've chatted, but what is your model? Do you um do you sell all of your beef directly to your to your customers or do you work with like a local butcher where are you guys up to these days just direct and and Mm -hmm. that's the way i hope to keep it because i I personally don't like buying or selling to sale barns i think it's kind of stressful on the animal so i try to keep our numbers um at the same same rate that we're, we're, our sales are, you know what I mean? I don't want to have to take mm-hmm. any animals to auction. Um, but that, yeah, that's what we do. So we look for really good seed stock producers that are into grass fed genetics and, and we buy their calves when they wean them from the mother. So, uh, we'll buy the, uh, you know, usually a five weight. So between 499 and 599 pounds, we'll kind of shoot for that, uh, weight range. And usually that's mm-hmm. about five, six months of age. So we'll buy those and we'll grow them out and they get to, you know, anywhere 26 to 28 months, um, depending on, you know, all animals, even from the same breeder have different genetics, but, uh, you know, we'll usually slaughter them about that time and the meat goes direct to consumer and we don't ship. Uh, we just basically do wholesale, uh, some, sometimes we deliver depending on the situation, but you know, if, if a lot of people are like, Oh, you should mail your product. You know, we get people on Instagram like, Oh, I live in a neighboring state or, you know, wherever you should, but it's very hard. Shipping is super expensive and it's got to be done next day or two day, um, you know, to keep it frozen. The boxes right now are super cost prohibitive because they're insulated and they got ice packs in them and so on and so forth. And then, uh, the main thing is, you know, you pick your meat up from the processor and let's say I bring a whole beef home. I have to have a place to store that while I'm selling, you know, a couple steaks a day or, you know, every other day, or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then most customers, I think, you know, there's certain cuts they want and certain ones they don't. If no one really is going to ship a chuck roast, you know, not that there's anything wrong with a chuck roast, but people would order like the fillets and strips and ribeyes and maybe some value added products like sausage. But then it's like, well, then I consume the rest. And so there's a lot of logistics with that. And, you know, it's not yeah. cheap to buy a freezer, a commercial walk-in freezer, and it's not cheap to run one. So that's where we just, we tell people your meat's done on such and such day. You go pick it up with your cooler or we'll deliver it. And, and it's just a little bit easier as far as that's concerned. But I like doing the direct to consumer sales. Um, I think it builds good relationships and, and, uh, our customers, you know, they love us. They're loyal. They keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've, we've grown because of our customer base. That's, that's just a, a fact. I mean, we'll get, Maybe, I don't know the exact numbers, 10 to 15% of our, you know, social media marketing actually yields customers. Cause again, they got to be pretty hyper local in Northern Colorado. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been working. I mean, we've, we've grown and, and, and again, I'm not trying to get up to a hundred head, like the property that we're at now, we work with, uh, the national resource resource conservation service, the NRCS, which is a federal, um, uh, government agency that, that helps with 
numerous things, but you know, they'll tell us, Hey, based on what you're working with here, this is how many animals you can have given that we're in a drought and you know, so on and so forth. And so we stick with that number and I don't want to go get two or three more properties and try to get two to three times more of the animals to make, you know, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. We make enough money mm-hmm. to, to live on and it's manageable and it's me. It's like in the summer, I'll get my wife and kid or on the weekends, <laughs> you know, my, yeah. my, but my son's 15 and you know, my wife's a full-time teacher. So it's not easy to, uh, to run multiple properties and get them over your head. And then that goes back to, um, I was going to touch on earlier. That's why we kind of do a lot of the things we do. So for example, I don't do the cow calf. So cow calf can get you, um, upside down pretty quick because, you know, now I have, let's say 60 cows because I want 30 steers, you know, you got a 50, 50 chance, probably male, female. So you have to have a lot of the mother cows and then, you you know, you worry about them not calving or, you know, calves Mm -hmm. dying or getting sick and just, just all these variables. And and it's just me working. So it's easier to buy cattle that are six months old. You know, they've, they've had their initial vaccinations. They're past that infant stage that you can tell they're healthy for the most part and they're, they're doing okay. You know, so we buy those and, and we finish them out and we don't, we don't wean the cattle. Um, we let the moms do it when they think it's time. You know, I don't yeah. deal with all that. You know, most of the time when I'm loading cattle, it's, it's me on foot out there on a 600 acre valley <laughs> trying to, trying to get cattle to go up to the round pin so I can trailer them or whatever. But yeah, it's just keep it simple. Right. And we calve in the spring. I don't want to be calving in the winter when you risk having animals freeze and, and all this nonsense. So everything we do is kind of, um, so that we can go with the flow, not against it, you know? Yeah. That's, that's smart. Um, because I mean, what would you, I mean, if you did the, the cow to calf, what would you mm-hmm. do with the mother after, I mean, after a couple of years, like her meat isn't, yeah. Usually they'll just do burger, you know, so you'll have, so, so from the time that, you know, the cow's born, you know, until when they start producing offspring, you know, you got that first season that goes by, you got to wait for them to get old enough to actually, you know, be able to produce. And then mm-hmm. if you have a good, uh, good cow, you know, you can breed them eight, nine, 10, 11 years, you know, so you get a lot of calves out of them. But at the end of the day, when they stop being fertile, uh, you know, people generally don't let them just live out their life and retirement on the farm. Like you would a horse, they'll put them put them to ground beef you know you just grind the whole animal the the muscle cuts wouldn't be as tasty but there's some farmers that do you know whatever they'll just process the whole thing just like a, a two-year-old steer so but yeah you can you can get them get some use out of them you can keep them quite a while okay depending on the on the cow right you might have one that you know was good for a few years and one that's good for 12 years just there's a lot of variables there so again with me being a smaller operation and just me i try to limit eliminate all those, uh, variables, you know, if it's predictable, it's preventable. So if I can not get into situations where I'm in the middle of a blizzard calving and doing all this extra work, um, I prefer not to. Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm going to avoid that if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know what? Most of the time, like, that's how we are. We're just hands off. Like I, don't, uh, I see these, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want to open this Pandora's box, but you'll see certain posts or certain articles and they're, and they're saying, you know, within the first, you know, 10 minutes of that calf being born, you know, you got to go over and like, you know, wipe betadine on the umbilicus and, 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 uh, you know, give them this first shot of this and get them up doing colostrum and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, if that calf can't get up and do its own thing, like it's not, I don't, I don't want an animal that I got to babysit 24 seven. Like I want some animals that are going to be able to, to survive with or without me. You know, we don't vaccinate any of our cattle. Um, uh, and they are, they're 
doing fine. It's closed herd. They're not around other cattle. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they're stronger for it. Um, but you know, just yeah. makes sense to me. I don't want to baby them. I think that's one of the things I've always found intimidating about ranching is all of the things that you read and exactly like vaccinated, vaccinated at this. And it's very hands-on. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, these animals have not needed us yeah. ever. Like, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Like, look at, I always tell people like the deer and the elk here in Colorado, like they're perfectly fine and they're not getting like five different vaccines, you know, every couple mm -hmm. of months and, you know, like being, if, it, if it ain't broke. You know, yeah. Yeah. We don't ear tag them until, uh, when, when we get ready to brand, um, you know, and that's the first time they really go through any type of handling. We'll, uh, we'll do whatever we got to do then band them, um, or brand them. You know, they have to be branded with the ranches brand to go up on national forest. So that's, that's when we ear tag them. I don't even ear tag them when they're born, you know, just leave them alone. Mom will take care of them and, and they'll figure it out. They better figure it out. I'm not going to figure it out for them. Yeah. <laughs> so. But what are some associations? You've, you've mentioned some materials um, before, but what are some associations or, I mean, even from, uh, like you're saying, magazines to, uh, I mean, we could talk magazines, Facebook groups, mm. uh, websites that somebody who is interested in this life can go to and start start gleaning some information or finding people that they can, that can mentor them. Like where, where does somebody start when they're looking at this, at this mountain? Right. Um, again, it's probably very regional. Uh, so I would suggest, uh, you know, you either Google it or check with like the, you know, a cattlemen's association or Angus association or livestock association or a, a local 4-H outfit or like anybody in that arena should be able to direct you to the resources that you're after. Um, the NRCS, they have, uh, while they might not have answers specifically rated, related to certain livestock questions, I mean, they definitely have the resources to guide you to that. Um, I think, you know, being here in Colorado, well, anybody can access it, but we have CSU and the CSU extension, I mean, there's a lot of information on there if you want to jump on and look. And just your just local organizations, talk, talk to ranchers, you know. I mean, probably some of the best conversation you get is down at the local diner in those areas, you know, when the guys <laughs> are sitting around cutting it up at the sale barn or having breakfast. You know, you get, get a lot of good information talking to the, the guys themselves. But uh, I would start with just Googling it, you know, seeing what's in your area and uh, – I, I can't really recommend one livestock um, association over another, but, you know, just reaching out to the, the ones that are near you because they're going to have resources geared toward that area and uh, mm -hmm. go from there. Uh, I mean, Google, you know, if you're wanting to do a certain breed of cattle, I mean, and you find someone in your area that produces those cattle, that's the guy you want to talk to. I mean, pick his brain, right? That guy's already done it professionally and he's making a living on it. So talk to them about it, you know, and, and see because they'll know everything from the weather to the, the type of grass to, you know, what works, what doesn't, you know, they've probably been doing it many, many years and can say, you know, I tried X, Y, Z and it didn't work for, for these reasons or it did. And then, you know, with, with anything, do your due diligence. And then just because they don't do it that way, doesn't mean you can't, you know, I have uh, the guy I really got most of my information from was in his mid sixties and was a fourth generation cattleman. And, uh, um, he was blown away at how quickly our business took off because he, he ran 25, 30 head and he would do cow calf. And then he would just drag his calves to the sale barn when they were weaned and sell them. And, you know, you make peanuts in my opinion for the amount of work you have to do to take care of those things all year. But, um, he looked at us and, and he just told me, he said, man, you're a hustler. 
you're, you're a hustler. You got that business side down, you know, you're just, you just grind it out. You figure it out. And that was from, like I said, no experience. And so that'll help, you know, just, just keep looking at different ways to do things. And so I, I didn't, I didn't just take his model, I guess is what I'm at. Right. I could have just looked at the, the neighbor and been like, Oh, okay, well I'll just do it this way. Mm-hmm. But you know, direct to sales is a lot of marketing, a lot of, um, a lot of beating up the streets, trying to find, you know, people to buy your product, et cetera. But you know, that's what we wanted to do. So that's the way I went. So yeah, talk to people, listen, and then just kind of build your own uh, business model. That's awesome. Have you found that people have been pretty um, like forthcoming with information or do you find that some people are more like hold their cards a little closer? You know, that, that hasn't been my experience. Um, I, I think most people, and I don't want to put words in their mouth. I think most of them appreciate seeing, especially younger people want to get into it because they mm-hmm. know there is a need for that. And so I think they're willing to help for that reason. But as a whole, the ranchers or farmers that I've had the pleasure of, of, uh, you know, conversing with, they, they're just used to helping everybody out. Right. That's just how it is. You know, they, they you just help people. Like if they got questions and, you know, need to borrow a piece of equipment or this or that. I mean, they're, they're usually the first group of people that'll loan you a hand. So, um, I've heard that about farmers and ranchers, uh, maybe specifics of like, if they finish their cattle on a certain mix, you know, that was like grandpappy's special blend of oats and something else, you know, they might not tell you the ratios or their, their little trick they think. But like I said, at this day and age, pretty much every answer is already out there for, for yeah. people to find with a simple, you know, iPhone device or mobile device. So there's not any real secrets in raising livestock. You know, it's not new. So, That's but yeah, that, my, my, my experience has been, they're very, uh, very willing to, to help you out. That's cool. Um, is there, were there anything, um, I'm just going to go ahead and like mark this time down, but was there anything specifically that you wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet? No, I, I just, I love pushing that message out there about the leasing because that, that, that is just a recurring question that comes through via email or social media. Um, yeah, people just, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. You can, you, you can. know, we did go do it. You know, just even if you got your day job, you know, keep the day job, figure something out with a leased property until you can build it up and, and kind of get some speed. And when you're ready to lift off, you, you know, put all your eggs in that basket and figure it out. So that, that's just a message I like to share with everybody. Um, we're, we're nothing special. We just kind of had a, a vision of where we were going with this and it started small and it just developed organically. And uh, here we are. Does Erica ever want to step back from teaching and work more on the ranch or do you think that? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's why we're going to be uh, traveling here in the next couple of months, looking around at properties. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, in Colorado, um, we just can't, can't make the money we would need, you know, I mean, she's a teacher. It's not like she makes a lot of money, but to subsidize that, that income, you know, uh, we just can't do it living in this state. So, you know, we'd have to, you know, get the equity out of our home, move to another state and just do a smaller operation. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't care if I'm raising, you know, three head of cattle or 30 head of cattle or 300 head of cattle. I just enjoy the lifestyle and Mm -hmm. I enjoy, um, the food, you know, we're foodies. We like to eat good mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, just, just tend into the land and the livestock it gives me something to do for the day. And, and there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. So she definitely wants to do it. And that's what we're going to make happen. Where, um, where are you guys looking at? 
We are looking uh, basically anywhere east of the Mississippi. You know, we're looking at like uh, Tennessee, Georgia, um, mm-hmm. perhaps Texas, um, uh, Florida Panhandle. It, it, it doesn't make sense to try to raise animals on grass in areas like Colorado where it's dry from, uh, you know, late June until May. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like you get some yeah. grass and that's it. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough to have irrigation, it's super hard during the summer to get that shit to regrow worth a damn while you're actively grazing it. Unless again, like you have massive amounts of property and small amounts of animals. So, uh, you know, you go out East and those guys are getting three, four cuttings. It's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, yeah, they I, just, they just I have the grass. I lived in the for a bit and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. And it rains year round. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there is something to be said, right. For it's again, every, everybody I'll say probably unanimously across the board, everybody has this, uh, um, nostalgic vision of the West, right. From all the movies and the books and everybody's like, I want to come out to Montana or Wyoming and, you know, uh, Idaho, Colorado, you know, those like manly cowboy yes. States, you know, the, kind the of thing. Manly, nobody, nobody, yeah. right. And nobody thinks about like, uh, you know, Georgia or, Carolinas, you know, and you, but it's mm-hmm. really weird to me that they used to raise the cattle in Texas and ship them on rail cars back to the East Coast when it's the East Coast that has literally grass that doesn't stop growing in the summer and you just so much of it, you know, and you get 30 to 40 inches of rainfall a year, which is, uh, you know, three to four times the amount you get here in Colorado. So just, just, you know, depends on what you want to do, man, you know. You get that way. Find, find an environment that's conducive. Yeah, something that you can work with and not against. Amen. Yeah, I don't want to like I'm not going to try to grow pineapple trees here in Colorado, right? You know that doesn't no? doesn't make sense. So <laughs> no, I don't think so. I love pineapple, but uh, yeah, uh, just find something that again you don't have to work against. You know, um, we're always available. If people want to email us, you know, our website shardularanch.com. They can um, look at the website. My email address, same thing, shardularanch at gmail. Um, DM us on Instagram at Chardula Ranch. Uh, I'm not on Facebook near near as often as the other platforms, but yeah, always, always willing. I, I schedule chats with people all the time. I've been on the phone with people for an hour or two, just while I'm driving back and forth from the ranch, I'll talk to people and whatever they need help with. Well, we are moving to North Carolina this summer. Oh, cool. This summer okay. all time. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure I'll probably uh, be picking your brain because yeah. it's, it's time for us. It's it's Good. time for us to get at least. Why North Carolina? Least, um, that's where that's his just his next duty station. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you yeah, bounce so, around quite often. And and how much sense does that make for you when you don't have permanent roots and your and your husband's in the military, right? And he's bouncing all over the United States. You mm-hmm. could move again. You know, you could move two, three more times. You know, so that makes perfect sense. It's just look for small leases, and then that way you can still. Have some fun, you know. If anything else, you're getting some creative content for, for the old social, and then uh, you know, just yeah. learning a little experience here and there. Whether you do chickens or you know, a couple of pigs, a couple of sheep, you know, and you just keep it small. That's perfect. I, you know, I love it. Um, the like the the further we get into this, and I'm a soil science major, and so mm. I've been telling Will like I can't wait until we can, you know buy like our our little plot of land and i can study the soil Mm. biology and just Mm. see like you know how having chickens on it uh changes it and how having um you know like hooves on it and saliva and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. he's just like you're Mm -hmm. such a nerd and i'm like i can't wait yeah but it's but it's cool like we had a we had a lady when we first started um uh 
she got she was doing her PhD, so she was doing all her, her final stuff for that. And uh, we got to work with her for just over a year. And she had been out there, I think, three or four years in that area of the ranch uh, doing studies. And I mean, she had like the photovoltaic measuring stuff and she would take like mm-hmm. core samples out of the soil and just do all this different stuff, at, you know, different times a day and whatever. And, and she said that year that we were there, she said it was remarkable how much better the microbe, you know, life and the different things going on were, you know, you know, all just all that enzymatic stuff, all the different things she was telling me about. And she's mm-hmm. like, I wish you guys had been here the whole four years. You know, this would have been really good because you guys are really into the rotational grazing and, and, and kind of doing mimicking that natural, you know, life cycle. And, uh, yeah, that's just, that was a short term. So yeah. How cool would that be to, to go take some beginning samples? And then, you know, even if you're only there for a couple of years, you you gives you a little side hustle to kind of test your hypothesis. And that's, that's the fun thing. Like, I think it was Greg Judy that actually had a quote that said something like, you know, the, the, I think it was him. I don't want to get it wrong. But anyway, he said the landscape is like your canvas and the animals are like your paintbrush, right? So, you know, you find areas that are nitrogen depleted, go put your chickens over there for a little while in a mobile deal and, you know, move them around. So it'd be fun. There's no end to what you can do with just a few acres. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And um, now that I know that I can lease, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's a service that I can trade. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, you could tell someone, uh, you know, there's there's going somewhere that doesn't have anything, right? And you can say, hey, I'm going to put in some livestock watering systems, uh, you know, run the pipe out here from the house to get the water out here, and I'm going to put up perimeter fence and some some semi permanent, you know, paddocks so we can move them around. And you know, obviously, if you're going to put that kind of infrastructure in, and they're not paying for it, you know, you'd want like a seven year minimum lease, probably, you know, more like eleven. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it's something where they already have decent perimeter fencing and, you know, means to get water out there. You know, you buy a few of those speed reels and some step-in posts off of Craigslist, you know, buy them used and you can, you know, set up your paddocks as you want, play around with it. And then, you know, you may tell them like, Hey, we'll give you, you know, a quarter beef every year, you know, and they might just deal with that. You know, you never know. So a lot of people love to see the animals out there, especially if they don't have to care for them, you know? So you're, you're doing the ranch work and they get to just look out and see cows out there grazing in the pasture. And I don't know about you, but that, Makes me happy to see a bunch of cows out there with their heads down, just eating away. It'd be nice. Just look out the window with your morning coffee. There you go. That's the life. Well, it has been good to talk to you again. Um, Same. You can pass on, just, you know, tell, tell the family I said, hi. Will do. Will do. And uh, yeah, keep in touch and uh, you get any questions, send them our way and we'll be happy to help you out and appreciate you having us on again. Yeah, well, well, thanks for coming on. You have a good day. Feeling social? Follow us at the Feel Good Community Podcast on Instagram for daily inspiration, our blog, and behind-the-scenes footage. Join the Feel Good Community Podcast on Facebook where you can read interesting articles, ask us questions, and share progress of your own journey. Oh, 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 oh,